up, JFW family? Welcome back to the Channel 23 podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to reach out and touch the fleet, to engage and inform everyone with all things JFW. Welcome back, Brother Dave and Super Dave. Top of the day your way, driver. Thanks, Jim. Glad to be here. And we got a special guest today, Chris Google Beam. What's up, Chris? Not much, Jim. Good morning, everybody. Thanks Remember, for coming, Chris. Thank you. Why are you called Google? Yeah, well, because <laughs> at one point or another, somebody thought I had all the answers, I guess. I, don't, I really don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> You've got quite I, a few. I know why. I mean, that started back, I mean, we were calling you that back in 2014 and 15, and it's because Chris is the knower of all things. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I agree. Yes, sir. <laughs> He's rock Google. Star. Yep. Everybody remember the things you hear on this podcast today are not the opinions of JFW. They're just the expressed opinions of the four men in this room. Episode 23 stats. I got to tell you, I'm pretty sad. Episode 23 only had 124 listens. Mm. Yep. I don't know. Is a podcast played out or people didn't want to listen to Jesse or you know what it could be? And I'm not sure is we had some audio problems last week while I was editing the podcast. All of a sudden the audio changed and everything, everything sounded real muffled. It was like that this morning. And I came in and I messed around for probably 30 minutes. I think I got it dialed in, but I'm not sure what happened. But I did hear from one driver that he was having audio trouble and turned it off. So Yeah. Wow. Could be. Yeah, could be. Sorry, Jesse. The good news is we picked up the Czech Republic. So. Oh, very cool. Yeah. It's time for the Dad Joke Challenge. Chris, you are the newest one here, so we're going to let you go first today. All right. Well, I was over at Coors the other day, and I noticed all these livestock trailers coming in. And I was curious, so I got on 19. And I was like, what's the deal with that? And they told me they're bringing all the bunnies in from the farms, and they're going to start raising them there at Coors. And I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, yeah, it's going to save in fuel cost and transportation. That way they uh, don't have to pay so much for their hops. <laughs> that's a dad joke that that's a dad joke i love it that not was a good bad. one chris not bad that was a good one soup you go next or are you gonna clean up no i'll go next <clears throat> so it's coming into wedding season okay everybody gets married in the spring yeah two okay. weddings right okay why do melons have weddings <laughs> i'm scared to ask yeah <laughs> Because they cantaloupe. Ooh. All <laughs> right. Boom. Dad joke. Well, I kind of switched to a trucker joke here. So, uh, <laughs> well, trucker slash blonde joke. I'm playing it off as a trucker joke. So, okay. This trucker stops at a red light. Uh, blonde gets out of the car behind him and runs up and knocks on his door and says, Hi, my name is Heather. You're losing some of your load. The trucker just ignores her. The light changes and he proceeds down the street at the next night, at the next light. The blonde gets out, runs up again, says, hi, my name is Heather. You're losing some of your load. He ignores her again and continues down the street. At the next red light, the blonde gets out, runs up all out of breath, and she knocks on the window and says, hi, my name is Heather, and you're losing some of your load. The trucker looks at her straight in the eye and says, hi, my name's Kevin. It's snowing. I'm driving a salt truck. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's pretty good i like it all right here's mine guys you know why jesus doesn't wear jewelry because he's jesus and he doesn't have to 
because he breaks every chain. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> New drivers, we got Junior Calderon, Eduardo Chavez, Jose Rigal, and Rodriguez. He likes to be called Rodriguez, so we're introducing him as Rodriguez and only Rodriguez. So welcome, guys. Yeah, welcome, guys. Welcome. Celebrations. Yesterday we had three birthdays, Josh James, Victor Dominguez, and Amanda Cartes. And then this week coming up, we got Manuel Castro and Darwin Zalavaria. Happy birthday, guys. Wow, happy birthday, everybody. Happy birthday. That's a big list. Yep. Anniversaries. Fred Powell hits one year today. What's cool about this anniversary is Fred has had perfect attendance, and he's been accident-free all year since his day to hire. Nice. Well, a year for him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's all year. Very nice. Good job, Freddie. We'd call him a silent warrior, but he's not very silent. He works <laughs> silently, but, man, he sure does make some noise. Right? <laughs> but he could definitely be in that group. Uh, family birthday celebrations. We got a couple thank you cards. First one was from Vicki Holmes. I want to thank you for the birthday wishes and gift card. It was such a nice surprise. I'm glad Troy found a great company to work for. Thanks again, Vicki Vetter Holmes. And then Pedro Sotelo's wife, Traviola, she sent a uh, thank you through him. Thank you for the gift card. He said she was very appreciative. And she told Pedro, make sure you tell everybody I said thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. Richard Gruel popped in my office a couple days ago, said his wife mentioned the same thing, Jim. So I, I think that's pretty Sweet. cool. Yeah. Pretty cool program. I love yeah, my fiance Sammy says thanks, too, for her. She got one. Oh, nice. Back. Sweet. What oh, she, very what, nice. What'd she get you with the gift card, Chris? <laughs> Nothing yet. <laughs> <laughs> she likes to hoard the gift cards. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. That's a good idea. Shout-outs. Dispatch wanted to give a shout-out to Danny Mercado, for always having perfect paperwork. That doesn't sound like a big deal, but man, to have that, you know, Dispatch clearly values that. So thank you, Danny. Yeah, absolutely. Dispatch is the one cleaning up all the paperwork issues with tickets and all that. So that is a huge deal. Good job, Danny. Yep. Yeah, when you have 8,000 tickets a month, that's a big deal. Right? <laughs> you right. Have to sort through that stuff yeah. and they're all messed up. Yeah. I remember I used to do that job and I remember when uh, Jimmy Smith, old. Uh, um, squirrel or doogie? Squ- squirrel. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. His paperwork was so messed up. I, I would go to him and say, Squirrel, could you do me a favor? Could you please just wash your hands before you do your paperwork? Oh, man. It was wicked. It was like it blew away in a windstorm and he found it in another state. It was coffee stained and smashed with a tennis shoe print. Oh, my God. And like rocks stuck to the back of it and was always dirty. You could always pick his paperwork out. You didn't even need to look at a name. It was just like, oh. We we got a driver. She would never have to put a name on it. We could just tell from the coffee stains. (laughs) Uh, and it's weird because you think, you know, okay, well, I, I didn't do my paperwork correct today, so no big deal. But when there's seven or eight or 12 or 15 people that forgot to do it today, right? it's a big deal. It's just like punching in or anything else. Yeah, one person out of 140 is no big deal, but it compounds and it becomes time consuming. So, yep. yep the job. thing is, there's always another person having to fix that. Right. You know, right. and it's like, ah. 
Those little things, those little things. But like you said, Jim, you get 15 people not doing those little things. Right. Now you've got someone else busy doing your job because you didn't do right. it. Right? You just took an hour out of their day. And I, so. I know with ReadyMixed, it was a billing thing too. Oh, yeah. I don't know if it's still that way, but if you were late and you didn't turn in your paperwork, it didn't get billed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Silent Fred, or a.k.a. Uncle Freddy, this is a pretty cool shout-out. He said he was on I-70 next to Jesse. And Jesse drives exactly the way he says he does. Lots of following distance, hanging in the right lane, just Cadillac and doing a great job. So nice job, Jesse. Good job, Jesse. Yeah, it's one thing to come on the podcast and say you do something, but to be spotted out in public doing Cadillacing. it. <laughs> you know, my daughter sold her Cadillac this year. She she bought a Jaguar. This, this so is, can you do that? Can this you is Jaguar? A dad joke. <laughs> no, no, that was a did. joke. <laughs> I thought it was a dad joke. I thought they were Jaguars, <laughs> right? Jaguar, Jaguar. <laughs> so everybody knows we uh, we've been putting the Samsara cameras in these trucks. Mike Bortz and Tanny they got a new one the other day. Dustin got a new one the other day. Anthony Harper, Bob Martian. Up until yesterday, all those guys had no safety incidents. One guy did get one yesterday, but. I will say, Anthony Harper is one of the safest drivers we have so far, mainly because of his speed. That guy, two to four to five miles an hour over the speed limit all the time versus 10 to 15 or Very cool. five to 10. Like he's, you know, he seems like a hard charger and he is, but he's not out there overly aggressive on the road. So nice job, Anthony. That is awesome. Yep. Nice. Richard Garul wants to give a shout out to the Wash Bay for making this trailer look brand new again. It's been a tough winter with the brine, or I don't know. Are they using brine or mag chloride? They're using brine now, aren't they? Yeah, they pre-treat early, and then they come back with mag and salt and whatever I've seen. So you're saying they put brine down first and then come with the mag chloride? Whatever it is, it's making yeah. the trailers look gray, and his looks stainless again, or yeah, aluminum. <laughs> I just want to throw that out there, too, Jam. Every year we go through this, and, and come spring, um, we start brightening all the trailers again um so they really turn brown from the corrosion in the winter months you know it, it gets into that aluminum and uh so annually we go through there the wash bay just does an outstanding job um rich and and josh and the team out there they um they go through they they brighten the trailers they brighten the wheels they brighten the steps on the tractors so they're starting to do that now. Yeah. So it's take them about a month to get through the whole fleet. But yep. Yep. Yeah, and they've, they've been shorthanded in the wash bay. So I see they're getting some more bodies in there, and they'll be getting more trucks done on a daily basis. So I'm excited to see those trucks shining again. Right. Yep. You said Richard thought it was like a magic trick or something, didn't you? Like, <laughs> he was just like, I don't know how they do that. You know, he said <laughs> right. he was going to go somewhere. I forget what what the scenario was, and he just came in my office, and he's like, Oh my gosh! He goes. I, I went out there and he goes. It just it looked like brand new, like it was just picked up at the factory. So right, that's very awesome. Cool. Yeah, very cool. Jimmy V. He uh, stopped me yesterday. Told me that uh, he wanted to give a shout out to two people. First one is Juan Morales. Uh, he trained with Aladdin over the West Yard, and he had a ride with Jimmy for a day. And Juan was asking him a lot of good questions and did great all day. So kudos to kudos to Aladdin for training him good, and then. Kudos for Juan for, you know, doing a good job and continuing to ask questions. So. Yeah. Nice job, Aladdin. That, that training is crucial to our success around here. So thank you. The other person he wanted to give a shout-out to is Fernanda. Fernanda called Jimmy the other day for directions to a dairy. It was pretty late on a Saturday. 
she had an issue with the trailer. There was a big hole in the liner, and she was wondering what she should do to, you know, get prepared for next load. And Jimmy was like, "You got to just do the best you could." So when she was done, she sent Jimmy a pic, and Jimmy said he was he was shocked how clean she got that trailer for the condition the liner was in. It was better than he expected, and she did a great job working late on a Saturday. So nice wow, job, Fernanda. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Nice. I hope uh, those liners can be pretty frustrating once you get that hole. Yeah, I hope that's written up. Actually, I mean, I I know we've been trying to repair those the minute we get them. So right. if we've got a hole in something and don't know about it, we can't fix it. So I, I hope that's been taken care of. I'll take a look at that here in a little bit. But <clears throat> we haven't had a liner problems for a while because most of them are either brand new or right. You know, the shop's been doing a really good job welding them or whatever right. the case may be. So yeah, that. I almost thought that was a problem of the of the past. Me too. I guess that's the reason I'm kind of bringing it up. Like, oh, yeah. that's that's not good. Yeah, I'll get with Jimmy and find out what liner or Fernanda and find out what, yeah. what trailer for we'll sure. There. All right. Well, we're excited to have Chris Beam in the studio today. Part of the reason we wanted to have Chris is one, he's coming up on his nine year anniversary next week, and two, I mean, Chris knows his stuff. He knows his safety stuff. He's a guy that fights for what he wants here at JFW. So welcome again, Chris. Thank you, Jim. It's good to be here. I was kind of going to blow you off maybe, but I figured I might as well get me eventually. <laughs> oh, man. You don't want to be one of those guys, do you? People that blow me off just get harassed until they don't blow me off. So I'm glad we could just cut to the chase. Uh, that's what I figured. <clears throat> a couple other things Chris has done around here. One, he sits on a safety committee. So the safety committee, if you have an accident or an incident here at JFW, we bring you into a meeting called the safety committee meeting. The meeting's not to point fingers or ridicule. It's to try to make you better and the rest of the fleet better. Chris, you've been sitting on that committee for, for a long time. Yeah, ever since I, I don't know, probably. The inception. Within six <laughs> months of with you guys doing those safety meetings. I wasn't there yeah. right away, but. One time I had a, uh, an incident myself and had to be in the safety meeting, and I gave some of my uh, thoughts to a driver that was also in there. And after that, Dave White asked me to be a part of it, and I accepted. Nice. Yep, you always have good feedback in those meetings. Absolutely. <clears throat> You've also tried your hand, hand in dispatch. What would you think of that? Uh, it's a tough job. I, I found out quickly that I do not like to sit behind a desk and stare at a computer. <laughs> and at the time... When they were doing dispatch, we it was all handwritten, so you'd go through the list of trucks, which there wasn't even as many as there is now, but you'd have to write down and add up the loads and figure everything out, and I guess I'd prefer staring out the windshield. <laughs> we just had a little bit of a text back and forth just the other day about that, didn't we, Chris? Yeah. I said, man, you need to move into dispatch and you told me exactly why you weren't going to do that again <laughs> how did that even come about that you went to dispatch chris tell us tell us the story a little bit uh, jfw put out a little questionnaire asking and i don't know i had about 20 questions or so on it and offered it to drivers who thought they might like to try something different or a change of pace i submitted it just out of curiosity and they picked me, yeah. and I kind of felt bad because it really only took about four days for me to realize that it wasn't for me, even though I could, you know, I was good at directing drivers where to go. I knew what they could do or couldn't do as far as time goes, so I can set them up pretty well, but 
just sitting there at the desk wasn't for me. Gotcha. Did you did you gain respect for what they do besides sitting behind the desk? Is it harder than you thought or piece of cake? Yeah, it's just definitely different. I mean, you really have to have a certain mindset to be able to be there all day. And it's not easy, not a piece of cake. And uh, it can... Um, it can be stressful because at, on one hand you're you know you're there for JFW, trying to get loads covered. At the same time, it's three thirty, and you're gonna have to tell a driver to go to the pit, so you kind of feel bad for him at the same time or her, and uh, so it can be definitely be stressful. I get that. Do you feel bad when you got to go to the pit at three <laughs> thirty? It depends on how the days go. Right. Because if it, if it feels like I'm going to be done as soon as I dump this load at 3.30, and then all of a sudden, oh, hey, the pit's open till 4.30 today. So and It depends if you call it a preload or you got to run it down to Castle Rock. I'm hearing if you're mentally prepared, it's better than if you're not. Yeah, yeah those surprise 5 o'clock closings is right. a, certainly can put you down a little bit. It's like, hey, we got great news. The pit's staying open late. <laughs> yeah, right. I just want to step in there and say what a great job Chris did in dispatch. And I'm proud of the the scenario, even though after four days, you know, he decided not to stay in that seat, that you were able to make that choice, Chris. You know, a lot of people get in there and it's a struggle and it's hard and they're, you know, they will just continue to not be successful at it and you know you knew right away it was something not for you and i think that takes courage to say that and go back to a truck or you know whatever the case may be and i applaud your efforts for that i think you did a great job the short time you were in there because you're able to see the bigger picture you know because google provides you that (laughs) yeah (laughs) but uh no i i thought it was a great job and i i have respect for you because you were after four days like no this isn't for me right I appreciate that. And I've, I've always been pretty matter-of-fact, so I, uh, I kind of make a point to let know what needs to be known right away so it doesn't drag on. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. I sit up there at dispatch, and, yeah, sometimes my head's spinning just from listening. I can't imagine doing that job, so good job. And then you were also a JFW trainer in the past. How did you enjoy that, and why don't you train anymore? Uh, in the beginning, it was fun teaching guys uh super dave loved to give me the guys who didn't know how to shift (laughs) and uh it's good i knew you could handle it yeah so i mean i had a lot of patience and got through it and on one hand you know it's rewarding uh teaching you guys on the other hand after you teach them everything and they say to uh super dave a week later after they've done whatever that all oh, he didn't teach me that and you know they did it can get frustrating then and uh i had a few instances where drivers absolutely uh lied after training that they didn't get trained properly because they made a mistake and instead of just admitting to their mistake they uh kind of made me look bad and whether or not super dave believed him or whoever it just just hearing it kind of frustrated me and then we moved to the uh or I moved to the West Yard, and I just really honestly didn't want to put up with the the extra hassle of between the two yards and all the extra that goes on there. 10-4. I tend to believe the trainer because I was a trainer for 15 years or 20 years. I mean, 
that's how the manual came about because Jim and Dave would come to me, Super Dave, did you tell him to sweep off his tailgate after every time he dumped? And I would say, <laughs> of course. <laughs> and uh, then the trainee wouldn't be doing it. So I actually had to make the training manual and have him sign off on it. And, and that's how that all got started. So don't feel bad, Chris. It happens to all of us. No, for sure. And now I don't. But back then at the time, you know, in the moment, that's when some of those feelings came across. But now, like, Josh and uh, Dan Hawk are two of the people that I trained, and they've been here a long time, so that oh, always, yeah. you know. And uh, recently, Matt, who left. Matt Hoff. Yeah, Matt Hoff. And those were, you know, some good guys and still are. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Josh just hit five years, and so did Dan, right? They're both five-year guys. Yeah, well, Dan's, so, and Dan's coming up on five years? Dan's coming up on five years. Yeah, and didn't Matt just break three before he left, or was it two? It's probably three. I, that's yeah, what I thought. Because I mean, I'm coming just, up on four. And, yeah. 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 So, <clears throat> Chris, you're a true professional. You pay attention to the details. I can recall Dave White just, I don't know, a few weeks, a month ago, we had a guy got an overweight ticket and he had he had low gauges and i think dave's white comment was that wouldn't happen to chris his low gauges are within a couple hundred pounds and he would know exactly how much he weighed yeah exactly i mean i don't i try not to make too big of a deal of it because i just feel like that's it's what you should do it's, it's not a it's not hard as long as you're uh, paying attention when you pull on a certain scale you should know within reason how how much you weigh or not and if my gauges read, you know, 34.5, 34.5, and the scale is saying I'm, you know, 83, then I know something's wrong with the scale. <laughs> right. Why do you think so many people don't use them, Chris? Honestly, I think, I don't know. I think it's more a lack of, um, they, don't, they don't feel it's necessary because they're in town maybe. Yeah. And then have if they happen to go out of town, just that habit of not being in habit of it bites them in the ass, I guess. Yeah. I mean, some guys that, you know, I jump in a truck here and there. Luckily, I haven't had to do a lot of seat jumping with my truck, but, and their scales will be off by thousands of pounds. And I just, I don't understand why they wouldn't just take the time to adjust it. Personally, about once a month, I'll go to a cat scale and make sure mine are dialed in. And you can do it at any scale by weighing out your axles, but just with cat scale gives me the personal assurance. And it's easy because there's individual scales for each axle. Right. And uh, with the app, you don't even have to go inside. Yeah, I was chatting with Potter one day here. We talked to him a couple of weeks ago and he mentioned the where we get the salt for Envirotech there in Utah. All, when you scale out there, you're all every axle's on a d- individual scale. Yeah. So he said, "You just you just plug the number in." And he goes, "It's, the, it's nice. just like you're talking about with the cat scales. It's all individuals." Yeah, so. it's nice. And at that pit there, when I've been there, they load you light or on purpose, and then top and you then off they on top the you off on the scale, so they know exactly where to put it and where yeah. to stop. So it's all pretty smooth. Isn't that awesome? If we can do that at Morton, it'd be really nice. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, you're not sitting on level ground in the pit. I mean, it's it's close, right? I mean, as long as you didn't spin and dig a hole. But, I mean, yeah. in theory, our gauges, you could almost do that, Chris. You know, I mean, you do it at Coors, I bet, when you load. Yeah, and even at Coors, it's not exactly level. So the further towards the rear of your trailer you are, the lighter your drives are going to read. 
because there's a slight slope there. Right. But uh, but once you do it enough, you kind of get a knack for it. You get a hang. You know right. when and where to stop. And don't you think it's fair to say those those gauges, as long as you're checking them once a month, I mean, don't you agree they're within 100 pounds? Yeah, they stay fairly accurate. Yeah. I mean, the only time is if a driver's in your truck and they mess with it or something happens and you, you bump the numbers or something. Or, or maybe even switch trailers. Yeah, something switch like that. trailers. And, and even then, they're pretty accurate to the – I mean, unless you go from a long trailer to a short trailer. Yeah. That can change point. it some, but you just got to know what you're pulling. Yeah. To me, they're just such a great tool. You know, it's just another tool we're giving that when it doesn't get used, it's so frustrating for me. I just... Yeah, for sure. But even you know, the... I'm sitting here right now just shaking my head <laughs> side to side like, God, why, why is it so difficult? It's, I yeah. mean, for me, it's a frustrating thing. It's, you know, it's like, here, use this. We're giving it to you. We've invested hundreds upon hundreds of dollars in each truck on those gauges, but you don't use them. You know, and it, it's, ah, it bums me out. Tough when you, you get in a truck and the gauge is literally 2,000 pounds off. Yeah, like Chris And you say, hey, yeah. man, aren't you setting your gauges? And they're like, no, but I know what they read when I'm legal. <laughs> <laughs> right. It takes three pushes of a button to move that. Yeah, you, you know, hold two buttons gauge. at the same time yeah. for four seconds or five seconds, and then you can adjust it. That's yeah. what I was going to mention. I think a lot of guys don't use them because they either don't know how to calibrate them or they don't want to take the time to calibrate them. So, yeah, yeah skill problem or will problem? Right? Absolutely, Jam, 100% will problem. Will yeah, problem. Yeah, yeah. If, if I know I need to be really accurate going through a port or something and I'm loading off a dirt job or whatever, I'll definitely go to a cat scale. But if I'm at a, like Morton or something, just stop and take the time and tell the guy on the CB behind you to wait because you're going to check your axles. Tell the scale house to wait, you're going to check your axles. And at Fry, it can be hard because everything's so fast-paced, but... As long as you get on and tell them ahead of time, you can make the time up there to check your yeah. axles. Yeah. I mean, honestly, Chris, when you're pulling off the scale after you've loaded, what is it, one minute? I mean, do you even think it's one minute that it takes to verify that? Oh, no. Not if it, it's 30 seconds easily. Right. So, I mean, it's... And there is also a uh, axle app that you can get and put all your numbers in that in the app and... It does the math for you, but but you still got to take the time to stop and get the numbers from the scale to put into the app. Exactly, exactly. JR's going over that. That's part of his program in the that we're doing now. He added that. I don't know if you guys both saw that. Dave, did you see that Axle app yep. that he's having every driver download along with Axon and Bamboo? and I, I knew he was going the through the, and the apps on the phone, but I didn't know he included the Axle app. He did, yeah, yeah, which is cool. I mean, you know. Yeah, I used that a lot early on, but once we got these more digital scales, I've, I haven't had to use them really. But, right. But it helps because when we had the scales that had, you know, 70 pounds or 60 pounds. Those are tough. Yeah. But still, if you take the time, I knew on my truck right at 70 or below was good for the tractor and 60 or slightly below was good for the trailers. Right. You just got to pay attention. Right. Exactly. Hmm. Chris, you're a guy... Anytime we're thinking about coming out with a new program or doing something, we do say, let's send it to Chris. Let's let him look at it, and he could go through it with a fine-tooth comb and see what he thinks about it. You're also a guy, when we do something, I'll get an email or a phone call or a text pointing out something wrong or asking a question. Why, why do you care so much, Chris? 
Uh, just for my own peace of mind and for all my fellow truckers, because I think if we can get everything out there and understand everything, then we'll be able to do our jobs better and appreciate what we're doing even more or be able to get the company to uh, get more done for us if we're being efficient and knowing exactly what's going on. Agreed. What's the biggest change you've seen at JFW? Besides more trucks, what's the biggest change in culture or benefits or what's the biggest? The biggest change is definitely the PTO and holidays. Uh, When I first started here, there was no paid holidays. We had your first year, you got five days vacation Mm -hmm. and you didn't get a second week until five years. And that was pretty rough. So (laughs) coming when the PTO started, I was really, really appreciative of that. And, um, and the holidays, of course, you know, that, that, that makes, you know, celebrating 4th of July, having that day off that much more enjoyable because you're not worried, Hey, this is going to ruin my check next week. <laughs> right. I know when we came out with the PTO program, cause <clears throat> like we just talked about, you're at nine years next week you're going to max out on a pto program where you were going to max out next year with the old program is that right because it was 10 years. yeah i would have got years. three weeks vacation next year right if it was on the old program and right. now it's like you said a year sooner yep what do you what do you think about the earned versus given because we've talked about that a lot i remember there was conversations about you know we were just going to give it to guys and now they got to earn everything but six days of it is given. Yeah, I I understand it. And in the beginning, I was a little hesitant of it because it kind of took – maybe because I was, I don't know, being selfish because I had to work so long to get my two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, uh, but even still, I was, I was really looking forward to my three weeks guaranteed vacation. Mm-hmm. And then when this program came along, it was – you know, a little hesitant because I was like, man, that's, that's you know, six days guaranteed, and then I got to earn. But if I get sick and I miss a day, then I don't earn the next month. And so at first, I was really hesitant. I won't agree. I won't lie. But uh, now I've noticed it made me come to work when I had a little bit of a stomach ache. <laughs> I don't call in when I have a little something going on. Yeah, we noticed that too. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so in that sense, I guess you could say it made me a better employee. Um, I will say if I, if I had my druthers, like if I can change one thing for JFW tomorrow, as in this outline, uh-huh. I, would, uh, I would separate vacation time and sick time. Gotcha. However you do the sick time, earned or not, five days, I don't know how it would go. but Gotcha. Just, I don't know, maybe it's more of a traditionalist, but the vacation time. Because it, it sucks being sick. If you're sick and you take three days, then there goes, well, your vacation time also. Well, you want to lose three months of earnings for being sick. No, but three the days. three days that you take, if you take them paid, then you lose. Gotcha. So I your six that. days becomes three days. Mm-hmm. And and I know, you know, like Jim says, you do your job. <laughs> if you do your job, <laughs> then you'll have them. But sometimes life gets in the way and yeah, yeah. And 
losing those three days because of life sometimes just doesn't set right, I would say. Yeah, I like that honest answer. So the PTO and the, and the vacation time, that's the change you like the most as well? Well, the change I like the most involves that it's the average pay year to date that you get uh, for those PTO days. Yeah. There you go. That's good. Those, that is above and beyond from JFW. Mm-hmm. And Jam, when you first started, I constantly came to you about how we get paid our vacation. Because yep. we was getting paid eight hours a day for the five days, mm-hmm. which is standard, you know, it's normal. But when you work 70 hours a week, six days a week, right? it sucked to take that time because you would get these days that would be a third of my paycheck that's yeah. like a penalty yeah. yeah yeah that's what it felt like and i had mentioned that to jim before and and then when you started on in your position i mentioned that and a lot numerous things to mm-hmm. you you know yeah and uh and that's what i try to do a lot of drivers probably don't know or don't see but i'm constantly bringing up things and a number of things that i've brought up over the years have came into play now so. yeah a lot of that stuff's implemented it, it's just trying to make us better. Absolutely. You know? I mean, you've been a great advocate for our company, Chris, yeah. for sure. We can't change everything overnight, but that's that's one thing I've seen since I've been back is it just gets better and better and better and better yeah, and better. You know? Definitely. I mean, so. I've and just as far as money goes, I've I've made more money each year I've been here. All yeah. 9 years I've made more and if things stands as it is, if things stands as it is, especially with the 3% raise that we got this year i'll make even more this year so yeah, you will. so yeah. i'll be on a uh, i'm on a nice roll here yeah you are i got a little story to tell about that pto you guys so i had an interview scheduled for this week and uh the guy texted me and says yeah i'm going to cancel my interview and so i i shot him a message back why you know did you decide to cancel and he says yeah i don't like the idea of slip seating so when i was onboarding rodriguez this morning i said you know just repeating because when a driver hires on here for a period of maybe one to four maybe sometimes six weeks maybe a little longer just depends you're a slip seat driver until you get an opening that just happens via normal attrition then you get your truck assignment and i said to rodriguez i said you know that's specifically to cover our pto because when somebody calls out or if somebody is taking some time off you have to keep that truck running. We need to take care of the customers. And just because Bob is off for the week doesn't mean that his truck sets for the week. And Rodriguez was just so open. He's like, that's great. He goes, I love that. I said, because in your very first year, you can get up to 12 paid days off. And, and, it, and that's really an advantage for everybody. So, and it's not like we're putting that guy in a 78 Freightliner. you know he's driving a 2020 kenworth or peterbilt so it's not a headache but that other gentleman was like nope not going to do it and he just didn't see the advantage of having all that paid time off right gotta get the big picture yeah yeah for sure that's funny you say that dave my first driving job was with brandon sand and gravel and i was in a 78 international (laughs) (laughs) wow I didn't know that. Did you come here from Brandon? or No, I, I started Brandon when I was 18, back in like 99. Uh-huh. And I had a, a couple of jobs in between then and here. Like I worked for HVH Transportation oh, yeah. for like seven years. And I came here from there because I wanted to get off the night shift. Gotcha. They just went out of business like two years ago? 
three. Yeah, they're over the road. Right. Or LTO, not LTO. They're over the road division went out finally. Their LTO's been out for a little longer. Gotcha. All right. Yep, I remember those trucks. I thought when they closed, everything closed, Chris. I didn't know they kept the local. They had open. a couple of divisions, and then was, they had was private it named separate something accounts. Different? I'm not sure with the name once I left. Huh. But Interesting. Like I when I worked for them, I worked, I was, um, I worked for Ingalls Shipping and Packing. Okay. And they made boxes for Coors. Okay. A number of other places, but mainly Coors. So I would start over there on 50th and Kipling. Oh, wow. I would never even go into HVH, but I worked night shifts Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. to 5 a.m. So. Gotcha. Just to clarify, you said the LTL shut down first? Yes. Okay, so. Yeah. yeah, then they had the regional, and then they had private accounts like that box company. I know, I know they had GE and a couple other little things. Huh. But. Well, they used to haul all the Caterpillar parts from California, too. Yeah. That was their real big contract i loaded quite a few of those trailers and brought them in at night Mm -hmm. wow chris you already answered this about what you would change tomorrow if you could do you have any other killer ideas you want to bring to jfw not here in my notes currently no (laughs) (laughs) you could call me later i'm sure you will yes (laughs) what have you been seeing out of the fleet lately that that bothers you anything specific I wouldn't say bothers me, but it can be slightly annoying. Is when you key up on your radio, go ahead and give yourself 30 seconds before you hit the mic. Like especially if you're just jumping in the truck, or uh, or you just turned your radio on, because oftentimes you're interrupting another right. <laughs> conversation that's going on. So if you just wait 30 seconds, then you would realize if there's one going on or not. Yeah. But what I have to say is more important than what you have to say. Right. <laughs> My radio's on and I'm talking. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I understand that there's times where you didn't hear somebody having a conversation because the radios don't always work everywhere. Right. right. And that happens. But there's yes. definitely times you can tell a driver just jumped in the truck and grabbed the mic. Yeah. Uh, what's your safety pet peeve? Parking too closely in lines at pits and other places. Uh. Especially at Fry. Everything's just so busy, and there's no reason to add to the chaos up there by parking six inches behind me. (laughs) What's a good rule of thumb on that, Chris? We've talked about it many times. Being able to see the mud flaps, and I give a few feet from there. Yeah, tires. Tires on the ground. See the tires on the ground for sure, same Mm -hmm. as the mud flaps, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I've, I've seen, luckily it hasn't happened to me, but I've seen too many times where a truck just rolls barely and bumps the truck behind them right chris we're gonna get back to you on some of these safety topics and please chime in a lot the rest the rest of this podcast uh we did want to bring up jim's been really good about sending notes and uh he wanted to bring up jr's orientation slash training class jr killed it he put that powerpoint together it's animated it's a complete orientation from a to z and uh, we did our first one this past Monday. There was three, is that right, Sue? Yeah. Three, three gentlemen in that class, yep. and then he's got another guy going through it today. And I just think it adds to our professionalism. It adds to the experience on the first day. It's just all around win-win, in my opinion. Yeah, I brought it up. You know, and I, it was kind of funny. I stepped over there and introduced myself to everybody yesterday, which is kind of nice because you get to meet everyone at the same time when there's a big group like that which I would have to say is probably one of the largest groups we've had in quite a while. But uh, it came out of my mouth before I even realized I said it. 
that we want our training to be unified. And the description that I gave was like McDonald's. If right. you go to a McDonald's in Nebraska, their quarter pounder and cheese tastes just like the one right here in Commerce City. It's a quarter pounder and cheese from McDonald's. Right. It's the same thing, right? You get it no matter where you go. And that's what we run into a lot with the training is if we have eight different guys training, they're doing it eight different ways. Yep. You know, this one person may do it this way. This one person may do it this way. And what was nice is JR was able to take and set all that program up and take and do everything for everyone the same way day one. Yeah. You know, so all of those guys got that same training day <clears throat> one. Now the rest, the trainers just have to filter in with the do's and don'ts of our of our handbook, which I, I'm excited about it. I mean, he's got one guy over there today. It's yeah. I'm super stoked. And it's like stage one. You know what I mean? And And what I mean by that is... I'm making it up. He's got like 10 pages, right? He'll be able to take and start doing some videos of dump procedures. You know, I th I'm such a visual person myself. When we have a new person start and, you know, the trainer tried to show him how to back up to a pile and not tear a mud flap off. Well, when you have a video of that day one in training, showing the truck backing up and stopping three feet or five feet from the pile so you don't hit it and tear a mud flap off, that's powerful. You know, show inside the cab working your switches to engage the PTO and lower your airbags and raise the trailer and then going back to the outside and watching through the back window how the, how the trailer lifts out of the saddle if it goes side to side. Or, you know, we can even, in the video, we can even back a trailer up on a pile on one side and show it crooked. Mm -hmm. You know, just just stuff like that. I mean, it we're, we're, we're infancy, man. We are, we are not even to the crib yet, right? We're still in mama's arms we haven't even made it home yet with that program, and it's I'm yeah. excited about this it. This is something we've dreamed and talked about for probably at least 10 years. Yeah. And you have to reach a position in the company, whether it's your um, the number of drivers you have uh, available to train at any given time. It's also the time of year. In the middle of the summer, we need drivers. Usually, before we can even hire them, we're a little behind the curve. So we were we were always rushing to get people trained and get them out there and get them in trucks and i feel we have reached a, a threshold now where we're not in a rush we and I, I mean easily said we can do it carefully and do it right and uh it takes a lot of effort and a lot of planning and and it took 10 years to get here it, yeah. but it really feels good that we're here and i think it's going to make our drivers better and make us safer and uh, definitely you know, better service for our customers. Yeah, it's That's, almost been a manpower issue too, Dave. Yeah, you yeah, know, I mean, we're all so spread mm -hmm. so thin. You know, we finally had the manpower to to have Jr. take this on, and we've all given him a pat on the back, and he's been very gracious and been like, "Well, it's a team. You know, we all did this." Ah, BS. Right. JR put us on his back and carried us. Yeah. He he put the program together. I mean, we've all given him information on it, but he did it. He made it happen. I was going to say the same thing. He did it in such a way. I knew he was working on it for weeks. Right. But he did it so humbly too. So, and we always talk about leadership here, like mm -hmm. create the position you want to do. Like, right. JR just created a job for himself. Absolutely. You know what I mean? In addition to what our, what he already does, but it's something he created and we have these steering committee meetings and, you know, all these ideas going back and forth and we're getting ready to wrap up. And Jared's like, oh, by the way, you know, 
here's what I've been working on. Right. It's all, it's, it's almost complete. Like, just give me some feedback. We're about to push it out. So that whole thing, the way he did it, I'm just super impressed. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Class. Yeah. Most valuable guy at the company is the one who can do everything. Right. (laughs) Right. He just did that. And then some, right. Yeah. Hands down. Good job, JR. And it sounds like it'd be nice to get everybody starting off on the same page. Yeah. With the, yeah, honestly, Chris, as a former trainer, I mean, I don't know that we're entering into the time of the year you could sit down and go through the class, but come winter, it would be great. I mean, if you wanted to join, I, I think, to have the actual trainers go through that class as well, just so they know what's been taught. But I mean, seriously, we're, we are infancy, man. This thing was just born, right? Like, mom is holding it in his arms. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm super stoked to see where it goes from here. It's going to be very cool. It's the next step. It is, Dave. Yeah. Yeah. What makes us better, right? The next step. And together we're better. And, you know, here we are making that happen. So creating a blueprint for the training program. Right. Right. Uh, Next on the list is windshield crack repairs. I know Ron Bugler mentioned it. Uh, A couple other guys. I can't remember everybody's name. Troy Holmes brought it up. Troy Holmes was one of the first Six weeks ago, two months, you know, maybe a little longer. A few years ago, I tried to get you to let me go get the repair kit the, the repair done and mikey was at the time you know against it i wouldn't say against it but you know just the idea wasn't as widespread or whatever out there yeah and yeah. because i had just gotten a, a pit in the windshield and i was like can't we just get the chip repaired before the whole thing goes and right you know right. whatever happened didn't happen and yeah but here we are and i saw that guy fixing i forget his name already but he was fixing a some uh, windows at the West Yard a couple mm-hmm. weekends ago. It's pretty cool to see. Yeah, so this most current weekend, he was here at the main yard and did all of these trucks. We call it an audit, Chris. He went through and did an audit and did as many repairs as he could find and, mm-hmm. and make the repairs. And the weekend before that, he was at the West Yard when you saw him and did all the repairs. So we're super stoked about it. I mean, it's, again, not cheap, but we're hoping – that's cheaper than having to replace all the windshields. I mean, in my mind, it just makes sense. Oh, absolutely. My worry is we can't, he only works on weekends. So my worry is if you get a chip on Monday, <laughs> right, it, it could crack that day. I mean, it that's could. honestly, could, that's. But I mean, I've had pits in the windshield that didn't crack for six months. Right. It really just depends on where it's at or. Right. The weather. What, yeah. The weather. Yeah. It can. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the temperatures, yeah. you know, the severe, not severe cold, but. You know, the, a 40-degree swing at night. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. From cold to hot. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, and all of that Sometimes stuff, you'll so. park your truck, and the chip is there, and you get there in the morning, and the crack has... It happened. ...materialized yeah. overnight. Yeah, it just happened, yeah. Yeah, so one of the things we wanted to mention is, you know, if... I don't know who all had their radio on yesterday, but Kurt in... He drive 85? Yeah. Yeah. He called in yesterday and just got a brand-new windshield, Chris. I don't know <laughs> if you heard it on the radio or you were around town or whatever, and... He's like, guy, just got this wicked rock chip, and it's a brand new windshield. And you know, in a scenario like that, Mike, I believe, was able to reach out to this guy and go, "Hey, you know, this weekend, can you make it to that yard and get that windshield repaired? You know, yeah, and definitely. stop it from cracking." And he shared with us some of the photos, you know, of the chip repairs that he's fixed. And it just so happens on our service truck, we had a chip, and it had about a six-inch crack mm-hmm. that like curved and twisted out of it. And he repaired that crack, Chris. I was I was dumbfounded. He showed us before and after photos, and I'm like, "B.S. Is that photoshopped or what?" And Mike's like, "No, man, he fixed it." So that was when I uh, was did cool. some research on it a while back. I heard 
it can be almost as big as a dollar bill, the length of a dollar bill. Uh huh. And uh, and the only thing I heard was like if it's directly in front of the driver, that technically maybe legally speaking, however they do their standards, right? You're not supposed to fix those ones, but you know that's. I think that's here nor there sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> because I think it could. I don't want to say blur your vision, but in that spot, be yeah, some distortion or whatever, Chris. Yeah. Better than the sunlight hitting those cracks. Oh, right. Oh, definitely. Beaming into your eyes. (laughs) Yeah, that's just when I was was reading whatever the rules were on, like, Safe Lights website or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and some of that stuff, I mean, we used to always have, like, our car windshields repaired Mm -hmm. for the last 25 years. And the last five years, they're to the point, Chris, they don't want to do the repairs anymore. They'd rather just sell you a windshield. Sure. Right? They could... They, a windshield repair used to be 20 bucks, and then it went to 30 bucks, and then it went to 60 bucks. Mm. And the last one I had done was, I think it was over 60 bucks. And then I took one in off on my wife's car, and they were just like, no, we're not going to repair that. You need to replace it. I'm like, no, it'll, it'll be all right. I got, a, you know? I got a guy. Yeah, I got yeah. a guy. Got a guy now, right? <laughs> yep. Awesome. Safety topics of the week. Man, Saturday I was off, and... Uh, First email came through, and I was like, oh, that's not good. And then second email, then a third email. You guys had quite the day here Saturday with incidents. And I wrote down situational awareness, situational awareness, situational awareness. It sounds like all those incidents were self-inflicted, Dave. What was going on around Oh, man, 100%. You know, that was the reason I sent those words the way I sent them. Situational awareness, situational awareness, situational awareness. And Chris, you can probably speak to this more than anyone, but, you know, a lot of the way you guys set up or prepare to dump or stage or whatnot, that that can be a recipe for success or failure. Yeah, definitely. It's all about the setup. When I pull into a place, I look around, almost give yourself a 360-degree view of the place. And, uh, you know, you want to use all the room you have to make your, your backup that much easier. I've seen too many guys pull in and give themselves the smallest amount of space possible, the smallest amount of space possible, and then try to snake the truck into a spot. And or I'll see guys they'll go and make a wide sweeping turn, and they'll be looking the other way and then scrape the K rails as they're going by. It's just you got to constantly be looking around your truck, you know, in front of, behind. Uh, you know, the old saying, what is it, goal, get out and look. I mean, all those little things add up to not having any incidents like this weekend. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly what happened this weekend, but it sounds like they used a little bit more space than they actually had. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was. it's kind of one of those, I, I've told the story to people around me. I, a good friend, after we graduated high school, we were roommates, rented a house together, and he worked for this pipeline company, and... Uh, he was in charge of the dewatering pump all weekend. So on Friday night, right, we got ready to go out. And he's like, oh, I got to swing by over here on this job site before we go out. Got to be sure there's gas in the in the pump and it'll run all night. And then I just have to be there at 5 in the morning to check it. And I'm like, cool, you know. I go with him and we go blasting into this job site, right? And he pulls right up to this four-foot-tall concrete post, Chris. Like pulls right up and parks right in front of it. So when we parked, it, it was gone out of sight, right? Couldn't see it. Mm-hmm. We go check the pump, come back, hop in the truck. You know, we're going out, man. We're 
we're ready to go party and have fun and stuff. He crams it in gear, and it, it was a, it was like a serious mishap, man. Crams it in first gear. He's going to, like, pop the clutch. We're going to peel out of there. And we rammed that concrete pipe post. It jacked his truck all up. I mean, we, we got out like, oh, my God, what just happened? And we set ourselves up for failure. You know, and I, I talk about it all the time. I'm I'm blessed. I can learn from someone else's mistake. It's not that I won't make it again, but I always try and make that mental note. Oh, look at the the mistake here or the failure here and don't let that happen, right? So a lot of the same thing in all three of these events. You know, one we were we were stopped, staged, waiting to dump over at the West Yard. I thought it happened at Plant 11 in an email that I sent out, but it was over at the West Yard. You know, and I didn't even know they had added and you could probably tell me this, Chris. Is that a, a squeegee bin that they built the block wall? So, so when you pull in the gate, you uh-huh. go past the bulkers and you kind of sneak around, and you're to the right are where the mixers wash off or get water, and yeah. then to the left where the loader loads the the hoppers. The last time I was there, there was no bin there, and now there's a concrete wall, and it looks like squeegee or pea gravel or something. Yeah, there's a small squeegee bin right okay. there, and I think further to the left is where they put the. There was something else there, sorry. But the, uh, the definitely the squeegee is on your left as you're passing the rock Yes, right next to the hopper. Exactly, exactly. So we staged right there, stopped, waiting for another truck to dump sand or rock, right? And the minute the truck was out of the way that was dumping, this guy put it in gear and, and never saw the bottom row of the block wall sticking out. You know, the, the wall, he was parked right next to it, hit it with the steer axle, the fender of the truck, and then the steps on the truck. And... It was just like, that's just the same thing that I went through all those years ago with my buddy. You know, I mean, where we stopped, that was out of sight. It was out of mind, you sure. know, and you you didn't set yourself up for success, right? But when you pulled in, you knew it was there. So it's kind of one of those situational awarenesses. You know, you need to know what is around you. Yeah, you definitely got to make mental notes and scan ahead. And, and if you've been there a hundred times and it wasn't there... That's no excuse because this time when you went there, you should have still been looking ahead. Right. That's why some of these oil field companies make you put the cone out. Yes. So when you come back to your truck, you got to get that cone. And so that's going to make you look where where you're at, what's in front of you. Yeah. Dave, you probably haven't been out enough, but Reddy or Brandon, I don't know if anybody's seen it, but anybody that drives any of their pickups... They carry short cones now. They're only like six inches tall. I have seen them. They put them on their hood. On the passenger side of the hood. Uh And the purpose of that is when they come back to their vehicle, they have to walk all the way around the vehicle, grab that cone off the passenger side, go all the way around the back, and then they put the little cone in their vehicle, Mm -hmm. and they leave. But that way they know they eliminated all of their accidents. It sounds stupid, and the cone isn't much bigger than my coffee cup, but they eliminated all of their accidents by doing that. Because they had, I think they had like three of them pop up in the field that were backing accidents. And, you know, listen, they're called an accident because it shouldn't have happened, right? I mean, they were avoidable. So that was the first accident we had. The second one, we had a driver setting up to park in, I think, 0071 spot, came in the yard and... I really thought that one was speed related and it it turns out it was not. I pulled the video on it and driver did an excellent job speed wise, but just kind of lost track of how far the trailer as he was going east, he cut it in front of where like 0010 through 17 park. And uh, then we had 70 through 74 over there, right? Just cut it way too close and, and actually the trailer hit the corner of the building. 
Oh wow. You know, and just just not focused. And again, situational awareness, right? You've you've got a truck you're in, and you got 35 feet of trailer behind you. You have to pay attention to that stuff. There, these are you know, so far there's nothing that hasn't been avoidable, and we've hit two non-moving objects so far, right? The last one was. Uh, I think he was parking in 0012 spot, if I'm not mistaken, 11 or 12. And we had brought over one of the snowplow trucks that pulls the gooseneck trailer. We had it in the spot next to him. So it was a little lower than what they were used to, but they were so focused on what was going on where the trailer was going. They were swinging the tractor side to side a lot in the in parking and took the, the tractor and hit the fuel tank steps into the, the side of the trailer. You know, and I guess it's a bit disappointing for me after all these years to see incidents where we're hitting something that's non-moving. You, you know what I mean? I just, it's like, gosh, it was there. You backed 40 feet past it or, you, you know what I mean? And that's that's where I pick up the situational awareness. You know, Chris, you said you, you have to constantly be looking all around you. You can't be focused on one thing. And those are traits I mean, that's almost like a refresher course that, that should be taken somehow, or maybe we can figure out a way to offer that, or, you know, it's some type of, that Smith system driving that, that, you know, every now and then you have to do an update on. Maybe that's something we should look at, or something along those lines, because I'm not, I'm not perfect. You know, I've screwed up my share of stuff, God yeah. knows, but ah, it's just frustrating when, you know, three like that on Saturday, it was rough. And they're, they're thousands of dollars of damage. I mean, probably between the three, we're pushing ten grand in damage. And that's what I was going to mention. Sorry to cut you off there, Chris. But kind of like the paperwork. When there's one guy that doesn't do his paperwork, oh, it's no big deal. When there's 15, it's a big deal. When one guy has one little fender bender, we're calling it little, that costs 1500 bucks, and he thinks it's not a big deal. What about the other two guys that had an incident the same day and now we're pushing 10 grand? Where does the 10 grand come from? That comes right out of the bottom line, guys. That's not insurance, that's not anything like that. That's that's money JFW spends that's irreplaceable. Right. It's gone. Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, like you said, nobody's perfect. I had a close call last week. I was at a gas station pulling out of the, pulling out from in between the pumps, you know, and the, the trailer, got really close to one of those metal, um, I don't know, barricades, whatever it is. And I I was looking to the left, looked ahead of me, and at the last second I looked to the right, and sure enough my trailer was coming a lot closer than I would have liked it to be, so I turned the steering wheel to the left. But if I would have uh, not looked at that final second and kept it cranked to the right a little bit, I would have been scraping or rolling over that barricade. It's just, it's a constant battle. No matter how long you've been doing it, you gotta pay attention. Right. I almost slipped up there, thankfully, the last second I didn't, but yeah. I could have been, I could have added to that list. Yeah, I was just going to throw that out there to Chris. Perfect example. It's not a skill problem. It's a focusing problem. What are you looking at? What are you paying attention to? Or even what are you thinking about? Are you thinking about picking your kids up from daycare and yeah. you're not thinking about parking that truck? You know, you, you got to live in the moment and focus on what you're doing. Yeah. You know, the good news was reviewing the video and stuff. Speed wasn't involved in any of these. No one was on their phone. You, you know what I mean? That there were, good. Yeah. yeah, everyone was, was, when I say doing the right thing, they were there. They were in the moment, but they weren't situationally aware. Sure. Right? They just didn't have, they were kind of half focused, right? It was, 
Sure. Just like one of said, those deals. The driver backing, kind of making the big sweeping turns backing up. That goes to what I say would use all your room. If he would have pulled forward a little bit further and lined up better, he wouldn't have had to make such big adjustments. He could have just backed straight in. Right. With very minor tweaks of the steering wheel. Right. I've seen too many times guys crank that steering wheel to the left and the right as they're backing up, and I barely move it an inch or two when I'm backing up. Right. Just because I've stopped where I should have in the first place. So how do you train yourself to do that, Chris? Because I, um, what can we throw out there to help people? Cause I always say just use all the room you got. You, you may feel stupid pulling up an extra 30 feet, even though you, you're, you're kind of straight. Just make sure you're straight. Use all the room you got. And, but at that point, you know, don't pull up to within an inch of the barrier that's in front of you. Right. But you all, you, and you would go to the same, you want to see the ground in front of whatever you're pulling up to. But uh, just use all the room you have and, and, and backing up into a parking spot instance, you know, you don't want to make those big sweeping turns. Mm-hmm. Just baby, baby turns is what I, when I was training, I was like, just barely turn that steering wheel. Yeah. One day, and Jim commented on it a while back, I was training this, this girl, Edith, and she would make those huge sweeping turns trying to back up. So I stood on the step right next to her. And every time she would try to crank it to the left, I'd tell her to stop, pull forward again. You know, we sat out there for 30 minutes probably. And then she finally, we got into that spot where she barely had to turn the wheel at all. She backed straight in. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big thing. I mean, years ago we used to joke, oh, they're going to wear out steer tires backing up. You know, and you can you can look at the tracks backing out of our shop right here. You know, they either back straight out or they're three feet back right. and forth. And that always... It's kind of mind-numbing to me. It's how you take out a mirror, the corner of a it, bumper. I, I used to train it is. people that way. I'd say, okay, park the, you know, set your brakes, let's get out. And then I'd stand there on the ground and I'd say, that's your tracks. Right. And they'd yeah. be, whoa. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean. I'd like that, to. Go ahead. No, I, I kind of, I'm trying to look for the analogy, right? What's, what's an example we can use? And, you know, swinging that much side to side as you're backing up. That's almost like the fast lane change, I guess. You know what I mean? You At some point, you're setting yourself up for failure by doing that, right? You may have got away with it this time and the next time and the next time, but, man, that fourth time, bam. Yep. Yeah, if you, you change lanes too fast and you didn't look, you hit a car or you hit something, that's the same way backing up. I mean, the more you swing side to side, the more possibility there is you're going to you're hit, hit something. something. You, yeah. you lose sight of the objects from left to right when you do that. Yes. I yeah. want to say if the move that you're making while backing isn't helping your backing, it's hurting your backing. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. All that extra stuff, it's not helping. It's actually hurting. Yeah. So backing up straight is the easiest way to back up. Set yourself up straight. Yeah. We had a guy who worked here for quite some time. I mean, he worked here a couple times, a couple different times. And he was so funny. We, we were doing a job... We were actually railing in sand to plant 14, Lafayette plant. We were railing it in up the street, but we were using the scale at that plant. And I was in the scale because we had to take it up through the port up to Vail. And uh, this driver pulled on the scale, and I'm like, hey, you know, we're, we're, I didn't get your axle weights. Just back the trailer off. And I kid you not, Chris, he was sitting perfectly still, put it in reverse, and grabbed a hold of the wheel and gave it a half a turn. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, 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 stop, stop, stop. What are you doing? Why'd you turn? And he's like, well, I'm backing up. I'm like, you haven't even moved yet. And he goes, well, I'm crooked. And I'm like, you pulled straight on the scale. You drove straight on. How are you crooked? Back straight up. You know, and I, I actually did the same thing you said with Edith, you know, standing on the step. I stepped up on a step and I was like, just hold the wheel. Don't touch it. 
And yeah. I said, let's see how far you can back up without turning that wheel. And man, we backed off the scale all the way and went like 50 more feet until, you know, he was completely crooked then. But sure. that proved to him, wow, I can move that far and never touch the wheel. So, yeah. Nice. Dave, you already brought it up, proper lane changes. <clears throat> how many times should we be signaling before we make a lane change? Yeah, so, I mean, I just ran into this yesterday morning, and I think it's just something, you know, like the other items we've talked about. I'm one of those firm believers, when I'm thinking of getting over, I turn on my turn signal, right? Because I want, if somebody will give me a break, I'll take it, right? I don't uh, want to just sit there and... They can't give you a break if you don't let them know. Right? It's, it's like going somewhere and ordering food. You have to ask for something, right? They're not yeah. just going to stand just there. just stare and, at the menu. Right, exactly. So and turn your signal on. I, I thought you... One blink and crank the wheel, and you're <laughs> in the you're yeah. in the lane. <laughs> I, I watched an independent guy yesterday morning coming to work. He never used his right blinker, right? Changed lanes to the right, never used it. But he turned his blinker on midway through his left lane change, <laughs> and we got three blinks, and yeah. he was over. You know, and I, I guess that's kind of what brought it up. I sent an email to Jam like, "Hey, we should throw this out there, you know, yeah. just to refresh stuff." In in my eyes, if 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 there's no one next to you. That blinker should blink three times. I think that's a rule somewhere. I, I'm not 100% positive of it. But then by the time you make that complete lane change, you shouldn't shut that blinker off until you're fully in that lane. Mm-hmm. Well, in my eyes, that should be anywhere between seven to ten blinks. If you're changing lanes and it's only blinked five times, you went too fast. You changed yeah. lanes too fast. And You know, last year we had, did we have two, two right pit, lane? Pit maneuvers. Pit maneuvers. Yep. And those are avoidable you can you can hit a car next to you and feel it if you're going slow and get back in your lane. If you're moving over too fast and you pit maneuver that car, that was because you were changing lanes too fast. That's just bottom line and you know those are just professional skills that we should all have and and utilize every day on a daily basis. You know that's something doesn't matter if you're going left or going right to complete a safe lane change even if no one's next to you, you should have between 7 to 10 blinks. To turn it on, be in your lane, it blinks a couple times, then start your lane change seven to ten times at least before you're fully in your lane. And don't shut it off until you're fully over there. This guy, he was like, he was across the dotted line. You saw a blink come on. There was like two more blinks. His trailer duels were still on the same dotted line. And the blinker goes off and then he finishes getting over. And it's like, you just, you just give us a bad look. Just give drivers a bad look in general. Yeah, I had one of our guys shoot me a text yesterday. He he caught something on video he wanted to share at home with his family. So I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll look it up. And then I'm watching the video, and it's like, whoa, like you you changed lanes pretty quick there, bud. So I sent him a video, sent him a little tip, like let's slow down the lane changes. But it's a habit. People see that opening, yeah. and I think you know a lot of people think they're going to lose that space or somebody's going to take their space away, but if you're changing lanes that quick and somebody does go to take that space away, that that's an accident. Yeah. You know, so, you know, somebody once told me they, they change lanes first, then they put the blinker on in the direction they came from because <laughs> they don't want people to know where they're going. <laughs> yeah, I don't so. know. I've never used the blink thing, but I've always, I guess in my head without thinking about it really is I use a, you know, 50 feet or a hundred feet or whatever before, from the time I turn my blinker on to the time I change lanes, I just give myself some time. You know, I just turn the blinker on and change lanes. And yeah. I guess if I was to think about it, it would be more of a, you know, 50 or 100 feet before I'm making that maneuver. 
Yeah. yeah, I think you just nailed it, Chris. It's a planning thing. You know, you, you don't think about it 100 feet before you need to change lanes. Just like a driver needs to look far ahead. You know, you need, you need to be looking 200 yards down the road to anticipate hazards. You need to do that in your mirror as well when you need to change lanes. So, you're, you know, you might see a red car and then a blue pickup and then you might see a nice open space and you say okay well that's going to be my space i'm i'm going to wait for that and then because you can wait for it because you don't need to change lanes for a quarter mile let's say and i i know there's times when you need to change lanes right away you know like maybe there was i don't know an accident and you need to move over but in reality you can always plan and you can always plan that spot and try to be transparent out there so watch those mirrors for 200 yards behind you when you need to change lanes, just like you would in front of you. Yeah, definitely. I, I look in my right mirror as well as my left when I'm changing to the left because you might be able to see some guy who's rushing up on the right about to cut across two lanes, and he might take up that space as soon as you're trying to get into the left lane. So you always got to be, like I said, when in, even when in parking lots or wherever, 360 degrees, yep. you have to be looking around you everywhere. Situational awareness, huh, Chris? Yeah. And while you're changing lanes, you need to keep looking in that lane to make yeah. sure nothing came up. We had a call in oh, last that week. that happens a lot. We had a call in last week. <clears throat> Driver was in the middle lane coming up to, a, I call it a crash truck, one of the traffic trucks with the, the crash bars on the back of it. So he moved over to the left, came by the, tr- the crash truck, but the car behind the crash truck came into the middle lane. He had looked over, started changing lanes. He saw it was clear, started moving, and was looking straight. And she had come over into that into that lane, and he almost pushed her right into the crash truck. It was it was pretty bad. So, yeah, it yeah. would have been bad. Oh, Absolutely, oh, Jim. God. Yeah, I think um, maybe I'll post those videos of the pit maneuvers on yeah. Blue later. I'll blur the faces out, whatever. But. I think people need to see that to see how violent. Oh, absolutely! That yeah, yeah, very definitely. dangerous. Constantly scan because as you're changing lanes, if you're just looking in your left mirror while you're changing lanes, traffic could stop ahead of you. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, you got to be looking in the windshield, left and right mirrors, all around. It's yeah. like you're saying, Dave. Situational awareness. Right. It you is. Know, yeah. In, in the firearms community, condition white, you're totally oblivious to your surroundings. You have no idea what's going on. Condition yellow, you're relaxed, relaxed, but aware of everything around you. And that's where we need to be when we're driving 80,000 pounds down the road. Absolutely. We say it all the time, and it's true. you got to have your head on a swivel. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, Chris, since you're approaching nine years, I'm sitting here trying to think. Probably going to ask a stupid question, but I don't ever recall you having an accident here. I've never had any at-fault accidents. I had that one accident and fair play that was pretty bad right right but i was actually stopped because i was looking ahead and i saw two cars get into each other the one car was heading towards me and another car was on a side street and uh they got into each other however they that happened but i saw it because i was looking ahead i came to a stop and that car eventually completely spun out and slammed into me probably estimated 50 miles an hour backwards right backwards yeah. yeah And um, and it's just the strangest thing is for a couple of months, we believe that guy passed away. (laughs) Yeah, I was just going to go into that, Chris. That was such a violent accident that we all were led to believe that guy was dead. He was helicoptered out and everything, and turned out, thankfully for him, you know, he wasn't. Yeah. (laughs) And that was a whole mess anyway, having to go back and forth with a – because I ended up being a witness for the case, and 
she, the girl, the young girl that got the ticket, um, had she had got no a, insurance, right? No, yeah, no, she was kind of covered under her mom's house insurance kind or whatever property. I don't know how it goes, but the um, anyway, so she was found guilty in the first court case, but then somehow she got a retrial. So I had to gear up and get ready to go back and testify again. And then thankfully it got canceled and whatever happened from there on, I don't know. Well, I know just last year, Chris, we were dealing with it because the, the, it was a Mini Cooper, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah, BMW was looking into something, right? Right. So it's my understanding BMW owns Mini Cooper or yeah. they're the yep. ones that build them or however that works. Yeah. So we had an attorney reach out to us, and this accident happened what three years ago, four years ago? Uh, I, mean, it's I was been, in double sixty-nine. So. It was yeah, the sixty-nine. <laughs> yeah, was so really I'm, I'm going with at least yeah. four years ago, if not longer, right? Well, we're still dealing with that stuff yeah. because now the owner is suing because they found some issue with possibly the seat belt right. um, on the Mini Coopers, and gotcha. you know, Chris, they wanted. They wanted to know where the vehicle was repaired. Do we still have the parts? <laughs> you know, I mean, what was the driver's name? And I, at this point, I was kind of an ass. And I'm like, you know, if you need something, just send a subpoena. We're, we're done. Yeah. You know, I mean, we've done everything in our power in this. And sure enough, I, we got the subpoena. <laughs> <laughs> we had to send all the stuff wow. in. So, it, yeah, that didn't work. Next time, I'll just be like, okay, yeah, what else do you need? <laughs> well, well, that happened. There, there was a next time because... The attorneys from Chicago reached out again, yeah, and they sent an expert down here to. I'm like, I don't know what you think you're going to find. The yeah, tra the trailer and the truck are now separated. You know, they're not even with the same units anymore. You know, you you want to download the black box, but I mean, does that go back to 2018? That accident Chris had was like the first accident I responded to uh, upon my return, and yeah, I mean, what what are they going to find out? Yeah, you know, it's, and the, you know, the funny part is. You know, like Chris said, he did such a great job. You, he saw you saw it all unfold, Chris. And you, you just stopped. stopped. Yeah, yeah. You're just sitting there, almost like an innocent bystander, and they hit you. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, so that's yeah, I mean, it's just crazy. again, and I attribute that to looking ahead. Because if I yeah. would have been, you know, I don't know, looking to the right or left only and enjoying the scenery, yeah, I would have never, I wouldn't have seen it in time. Because who knows what would have happened if I was doing twenty or thirty miles an hour, Ooh. and he hit me at fifty miles an hour, right? You know, just right. the added impact would have been devastating right. even more so. They yeah. might not have needed to call the helicopter. <laughs> yeah. <Right>. Dave. <laughs> hey, and, how how many miles a year do you think you drive, Chris? Have you ever tracked it? Have you ever paid attention? Uh, well, I guess we can... How long have we had these trucks? The the ones that I'm in now. Because I, uh, I got that over, from day little, one. A little over two years. We got those 25 trucks. And I'm at 210,000. Just so, about minus whatever Charlie may have driven it, so I would say around a hundred thousand a year. We've always said everybody averages between eighty to a hundred thousand, and when I say averages, like a rock trader is going to be less than that. Obviously, sure. the pneumatics, the tandem, but the bulk of what we do is between eighty to a hundred thousand. So you're anywhere at your in your nine year tenure. Nine year tenure. That's kind of funny. <laughs> so anyway, as long as you've worked here, Chris. Is it nine years or ten years? <laughs> in your almost nine years of tenure, uh, the math shows anywhere between seven hundred and fifty and nine hundred thousand miles accident free, and that's uh, just that's freaking awesome, Chris. Thank you for that. I uh, did look in your file before you came on this podcast, and uh, there was another not at fault accident in your file. Yeah, I was going to get that the. Uh, 
tanker that swiped my yeah, yeah, my exactly. driver, my passenger side mirror. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was on 104th. I don't know when they added it, but they added a lane when you're heading north on uh, 85 or east, if you want to be specific. <laughs> but uh, as you cross 104th, there's the two lanes of travel. Then there's a third lane that ends. And some drivers get in their head. If they fly by you in that third lane, they can get around everybody at the light. I've heard drivers Ooh. call it the bonus lane. <laughs> yeah. So this guy comes <laughs> flying around me, and I may have been hugging that right lane. I don't know. But when he came flying around me, he just took out my passenger side mirror. And that was a, that was a surprise. It's funny. I had my dog Morty in the truck, and he was maybe three months old, and he uh-huh. jumped up. <laughs> that was it. I mean, but, you know, I called the cops and dealt with it. Cop came. There's no, there's no video evidence, no this, no that. Nobody got a ticket. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, there's... You just never know what can or will happen. Nobody's perfect. That's yeah. why we have the cameras now. Yeah. You know? The one case that hasn't helped us, and I'm still pissed off about this, is when the USPS truck hit uh, Johnny Beret. Yes. Yep. USPS, they hide behind this thing called the, the Federal Tort Claims Act, and they refused to watch a video. I submitted the claim twice, and they're just... I don't know. I gave up, Dave. It's probably not worth the money at this point yeah. to keep fighting it. And they kind of bank on that. Like, yeah. you'll give up, you know, but it's it just burns me that we have a video of a hit and run. And the government, you know, is just like, well, we have this Federal Tort Claims Act. Good luck. Yeah. You know, what is that, Jim? I mean, <sighs> well, basically, it gives them some rights or something, right? Yeah. Basically, they took all the power away from the Aurora cop that investigated the incident they refused to watch a video because that might be used as evidence later they refused really anything and it takes them takes them six months you know to do anything and then it's like well you could take us to uh, i don't know if it's not district court but i don't know some other court system where we'd have to take time and you know this has been going on well over a year so it's it's another division of your government screwing you, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. It's the fact. I mean, God forbid if we were to hit a mail truck, oh, do you know what going? would happen? Oh, oh my God. And not yet, stop? Right? And yet we can sit there and be be perfectly centered in our lane, doing nothing wrong, sitting yes, still. And stopped, yeah. They yeah. rip the mirror right off of yeah. that truck, man. Just yeah. yank it off that yeah. truck. And, and We I, have all the information. Yeah. You have the license number, the yes. truck number, the... Yes. Everything on it, and they're like, sorry. Yeah. I we actually, don't know who was driving that truck. Right. I actually right. took the video and took snapshots, like stills, of them knocking the side mirror off into the spot mirror. Yeah. Like, it couldn't be more clear cut. Nope, you, we, we don't have enough evidence. We're not going to pay that. Yeah. yeah. And for the 1300 or whatever it was to replace that mirror, I mean, we've already yeah. spent, more, yeah. spent more trying to fight it, so... That's, yeah. I mean, that's just such a, that can almost become a political topic yeah, for me. Yeah. You know? I usually yeah, don't. Yeah, it's just wrong, Dave, yeah. because, you know, they're so antiquated, we have to mail everything because it's the post office. Right. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Of course. Seriously. Yeah. Mail. I, I actually asked them because eventually I went to the post office right over here and I was like, <laughs> you know, first of all, you can't go into the building. They come down because they don't want you blowing the place up. And I had two people come down and 
I showed them the video and they're like, oh yeah, oh well you already, it's already been sent to this division, like I don't know if we could do anything about it now. They watched the video themselves, admitted to me face to face they were at fault, Yeah, you know, and I was like, is there any way I could just email this stuff? Well, we encourage you to use regular mail because emails. Because it's the post office. Yeah, they, yeah, email's the enemy. I mean, I'm sure they have internal emails all day long. They don't send smoke signals. Yeah. You know, it's just all BS. So I try not to use this platform as my place to rant, but man. Man, it's hard not to, isn't it, Jim? Oh, yeah, I mean, it I, is hard not to rail on that. I've even been on Facebook, like that guy just ranting. <laughs> like, I'll see like the USPS like offering something. I'll be like, USPS and you can't post pictures of videos, but they hide behind the Federal Tourist Claim Act. <laughs> yeah. they, they've skated this hit and run, and yeah, I get all pissed off about I it. I mean, so. honestly, what do we get from the mail anymore? Yeah, I, just, I use FedEx now when I can, or yeah. USPS, I mean, Amazon Prime, whatever. Yeah. I, I guess my point is when you go home and get the mail, it's all junk. It is all junk. Right? Yeah. I mean, I, I am pro-business, so I would feel sorry for those businesses if they couldn't mail anything out, but... I don't look at it. Right. I mean, I literally go from my mailbox, I walk in the garage, and I stand at my trash can and go, Rip. Yep. oh, here's one bill out of five days' mail. Right. You know, and yeah. I'll go in and go, I need to make that electronic. Yep. Yes, <laughs> you know, exactly. and make it electronic. Like, yeah. who uses mail anymore? I mean, yeah. our government could save billions upon billions right. by doing away with that. And they're actually, I've seen uh, articles recently where they're always running like, eight billion dollar deficits and stuff oh yeah they're just yeah it's a racket dave <laughs> it's a scam <laughs> biden it's biden's fault <laughs> oh man he did that anyway moving did I on do that? moving on to <laughs> actually you want to talk about biden for no, no. Oh. don't get me started want to talk about ipoc no. <laughs> okay. Moving on. Uh, back to the basics. Cleaning off tailgates. It seems like such a basic thing that we do every time we dump, but it needs to be addressed. Yeah. I mean, just this week, I've I've caught a handful of new guys that you know have been trained to clean off their gate. They've been given a brush to clean off their gate, and yet still are not cleaning off their gate, and it's. It's pretty disheartening to me because we're setting the bar, right? We we want to provide that best scenario. You know, Jim and I have designed all of the trailers to be as clean as they can be in the back. There's no lights on there anymore. The lights are up in the tailgate. You know, the only piece on there is that mud flap. Otherwise, the material falls straight off. So all you have is what's brushed up against the gate. But we still want it cleaned off, you know. And as my trailer's coming down, I can set the trailer brakes. I get out. I wipe that off the trailer hits the saddle i'm in the cab and off i go it didn't take me any time so is it a skill problem or is it a will problem that's where we're back at you know if you're not cleaning off your gate i hope you have the skill to do that i mean it's literally walk back brush it and go and i guess i'm kind of disappointed you know i've i have my motorcycle license i don't own a bike but when i see trucks go by that have all that on their tailgate boy i don't get near them you know, in my in my personal vehicle, I'm proud of the fact I have a 12-year-old pickup I drive every day, and I have the original windshield in it. I don't have any rock chips. I don't have anything. When I see something like that, I don't try and speed past them. I drop way back. Right. Right? You know, I mean, nine times out of ten, you're going to break a windshield speeding past them. Oh, yeah. You know, I've been told I don't know how many times, well, I had to get past him. No, you didn't. Hit the right. brakes. Slow up. Yeah. Get way back. Let the material be on the ground. And It's just disappointing, and I, I just don't understand 
why you wouldn't do that. You know, I guess I'm back to the gauges and situational awareness and stuff like that. Yes. So it's, it's hard. Just like you're saying, Jam, it's hard not to get on the low road and rant about that right. stuff, right? Some of these trailers dump super, super clean where 99.9% of the time you could dump that trailer and there won't be anything on it. I want to get out and look for that 0.01% or that 0.1% because what if there is a rock back there? Right. You know, like I just rather have peace of mind in everything that I do than to drive down the road and have somebody say that I broke their windshield. Yeah, yeah. It was funny. The first one that I found, the driver was in the shop. I think he was in for a possible tire issue. He was preloaded. And uh, I, I could see there was fry rock stuck to the back of it. And when I say rock, Chris, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, like, the little bits and pieces. Yeah, you yeah. can just see there's blue debris on there, right? Sure. And he, I said, hey, you know, do you have a, I always start with, do you have a brush? Like, we failed. We didn't give you a brush, right? Oh, yeah, it has a brush. And I'm like, hey, you didn't sweep that off. And he goes, well, the rock was wet, and that that was from all the rock, the water coming out. And I have seen that. Like, like Coors will carry out grain, and you'll have grain stuck to the back of the trailer if your seal's not tight, right? And I was like, oh, that, that makes total sense. And by pure coincidence, the, the trailer was kind of leaned a little bit, and we were worried about a low tire on it, make a long story short. I hopped up in there, and he was preloaded with sand. <laughs> so that just... Busted, meant right? even more he just lied to me yeah. right like well wait a minute you have sand on well it may have done that but he still didn't wipe it off from the exactly last thank you chris yeah. yeah the last load he dumped was fry rock he didn't clean it now he's got on a load of sand that sand isn't blue sand that matches fry's quarry <laughs> i have to tell you in my experience it's worth going back there even if you think it's going to be clean or not because i've seen it where i'll latch my gates as i'm walking by to the back and I get back there, and the tailgate is sticking out three inches still because of whatever reason. Yeah. You know, whether the, the hinge was tight and wedged and the tailgate didn't fully shut. But if I didn't go back there, I would have went and got my next load, and it would have started spitting out the back. Right. You know, there's there's a, numer- a number of different reasons to go back there, not only to clean it. That's the most obvious one. But there's, you know, you can go back there, maybe your one of your taillights got pushed in from the material. And you won't have a left blinker or your lights are out. I found a short the other day on my trailer because of that. Yeah. You know, there's just, there's a number of different reasons besides simply cleaning off that makes it worth it to go back there. Right. And with the new trailers where we have to manually lock the gates and everything anyway, I mean, you're already there. Absolutely. You know, I I always, it sounds crude or rude or whatever, but Bill Belichick, man, just do your job. We trained you to do that. Why did you give up? You know what I mean? And I just don't understand that. I mean, we set that bar, right? We've created that facade. We have that look, you know, and and I just, I think it's just pertinent. I mean, you have to do it. It's part of the job. And and it's funny. At times I'll see guys who's, uh, you know, got that little bit of buildup of sand on their dogs or whatever. And I'm like, I'll tell them, don't go into the yard like that. Don't let Dave White see that. (laughs) (laughs) He'll he'll smell it even before he sees it. Ain't worth it, guys. Yeah, and I j- why? You know what I mean, Chris? I guess no. As get- long as I've been here, that's been a, a passion of your a passion of yours. Is yeah, to, it just doesn't. You know, make I, sense. I think you probably even got on me about it before. You know, when I didn't, I probably didn't sweep off as well as I could have, or whatever it was. There was those little pebbles. I don't want to say it just happens because it doesn't just happen. You got to you know go back there, but it it's uh, well worth going back there for. Yeah, I know the one driver that I talked to. He. he he didn't have attitude, but he, he wasn't thrilled about me kind of being on him, you know, and I, I tried to do it as politely as I could. I wasn't an ass about it, but, you know, he was like, I, I think in his vision, he looked at it like, that's nothing. 
but right. it is something, sure. right? It is something, yep. you know. I mean, poke a motorcycle in the eye. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can, I can be crude, you know. You you wipe until you're clean, right? You just right. don't put two wipes in and go. Right. Well, that that's enough, right? I mean, in fact, I actually got a call in Jim. <laughs> Uh, contacted me one time because the driver took a picture of the back of my trailer and it looked like I had a bunch of sand. It turned out it was frozen grain that I couldn't scrape off. Right. I remember <laughs> but that. I've been yeah. called on myself, you know? Yeah. 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 And I mean, in that instance, my mind is that grain's not going to hurt anybody or anything. Yeah. But, you know, I tried to clean it off and it was, it was literally frozen, you know? It was one of those 10 degree days or whatever. <laughs> right. I, I want to throw something out there just because we're on that subject and, you know, we try and set that bar right we try and always be better we try and come up with something new we try a new process or whatever the case may be or we have these rules in place like sweeping off the back of the tailgate and you know our our maintenance and we talk about the airlines not dragging the deck plate and just better but we're constantly counting on our people to be better and i had an email conversation last week with al fry we were talking about electric trucks and he you know he kind of he was kind of egging us on a little bit, like, geez, I'd sure like to see that first electric truck be red and, you know, drive up here to the quarry and we can do a little news stunt and yada, yada, yada. And that's a different story for a different time. But he ended it with, you know, because the, the possibilities of that are just slim to none right now because the electric trucks aren't there. So the last part of his conversation, he says, well, Dave, if it makes you feel any better, and these are his words, not mine. This is straight off his email. The state patrol was at our quarry doing inspections today reluctantly on our property. I stopped to give them a bit of a hard time, but always willing to cooperate. The one trooper said, oh yeah, we don't have any trouble with the JFW red trucks. They run a nice operation. And that's a quote straight from the state patrol to Al Fry. And then Al Fry put after that, true story, Dave. Nice. I love that. And you you gave that to me (laughs) when it happened and I failed you, Dave. I also love, can we just read what he said about the fuel? I, which, which portion about the storms? No, yeah, about companies like yours and companies like ours. Like, I, I just love the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, we just we got on the subject of electric trucks and then the cost of fuel and, you know, w- what it's doing to us and stuff. And I don't know if this is the quote you're looking for, Jam, but, you know, I mean, we've been around since 1935, right? Jim, right. our third generation, and fortunate to be here because of our people, but... Al is in the same boat. He's third generation, and, and, you know, they've come a long ways. It's amazing to watch. But anyway, he says, like all storms, companies like yours and ours have survived. We will make it through this one. Keep your heads up and focused on what you do best. Yeah. Yeah. I love both of those quotes. I know I kind of got us off in the weeds (laughs) a little bit, but that was a powerful email. So good stuff there. Uh, Questions from the audience. Joanne wants to know, what type of training do the guys need to drive a truck for JFW? Are there updates on laws, et cetera? How do they know? Are there training classes that guys can take to make themselves better? Does JFW pay for any classes? Would the guys be interested in taking the classes? You mentioned it earlier, Dave, the uh, Smith system. That space cushion driving is something I believe in, and that's one thing that Jesse brought up last week on the podcast of how he changed his driving habits. But... What type of training do the guys need to drive a truck for JFW? Joanna need to have a CDL Class A. We prefer two years of experience. Um, how do they know about the laws? The laws haven't really changed very much for, for driving. You know, it's, it's traffic laws. It's moving violation laws. It's, you know, the things that you learned on a commercial level. Um, 
you know, other classes that they could take. I mean, I think the Smith system has changed where when I went through it, I went through the driver trainer program. So they had some people come down to AI and we jumped in four wheelers to do it. We didn't even do it in the big trucks, but we went through the class and also had to teach the class to our drivers, which was pretty good. I think you can do a lot of that stuff online now, so it could still be impactful and maybe maybe it is cheaper. I don't know. Do you have any experience with that, Chris? No, I've never. No. Never messed with any of them. Got it. I, I mean, just, I know I'd looked into that the Smith systems a little bit and where I'm I get all geeked out on it because it's exciting for me, right? Because right. how do we take our guys and make them better, you know, to eliminate the three accidents like we had Saturday, right? Right. I mean, if what little cost in training would that cost us compared to all the damages we have from Saturday? Right. You know, if that would avoid that or eliminate that, you know, where you take a guy with Chris's experience and situational awareness and the things he's learned in the, in, in the process and been safe doing it versus that. And, you know, I looked into one of the little... Uh, uh, what are the little like game things called the uh, oh simulator yeah thank you simulator yeah. I couldn't think of the darn word but uh, I mean it was like a hundred and twenty thousand dollars for this simulator oh, wow. I mean it's like buying a truck well I wish we could buy a truck for a hundred twenty thousand now but <laughs> yeah, right. anyway yeah I mean it was ridiculous but man the technology that it had the everything that it was capable of I, I mean it truly felt like you were in a truck and I just thought gosh could we tackle everything that we talked about with that simulator you know the blinking on the lane changes the backing up and not having huge movements side to side the setting up correctly to park the just everything we've talked about here in that so yeah a lot of stuff on that i do want to back up jam i I wrote it in here and i kind of missed it before we jumped to questions from the audience uh in cleaning off the tailgates and lane changes and situational awareness i threw in there liner maintenance and Mm -hmm. we talked about it a couple weeks ago but, uh, you know, Chris bringing it up, or I'm sorry, you bringing it up about uh, Jimmy V taking that call and saying, hey, there's a big hole in the liner. Uh, we got to get that written up. You know, I mean, those are those are things. If you have a hole in your liner, we need to address it because it's a lot easier now. We've we invested $10,000 in a new uh, plastic welder and we're able to make repairs. We've come up with a process that. I don't think we've had a failure yet. Right. I mean, and we, we can put two liners together. We can cut a hole out of them. And it's a lot easier to deal with when it's a small, minute hole. You know, I mean, if it starts right. like the size of your finger, let's fix it. It's right. a lot easier then than when it becomes a gaping right. four-foot round hole and it folds back and we cut it off. And, yeah, right. it's just it is a nightmare. Man, let's deal with it. But also, again, like we addressed a couple weeks ago, Clean those liners. Be aware of it. Walk that liner. If there's a rock under it, we got to get it out. We just talked about that last week. So yep. if there's any holes in liners, please, please, please get that written up. We can fix it. Amen. Uh, next, Fred Powell. He, uh, he Fred asks all the hard questions. <laughs> you know, I was he, just looking at that question, yeah. and I don't really know where he's going with it. So a few weeks ago, Jim and Dave said the one thing they learned is to never say no to a customer. When they're asked to do something, they say yes, and then we figure out how we're going to do it later, right? So Fred, and they talked about an opportunity that they had lost. Like, well, we said no one time, and we shouldn't have. you know. So Fred, with his hard question, says, what opportunity did you say no to? What was that? Why was it no? And where do you think we would be if we said yes? Yeah, Uncle Freddie, you're killing me, man. When Jam sent this out yesterday, I looked at that, and I'm like, gosh, I don't want to talk about that because it's like, 
it's almost like salt in the wound. Right. You know what I mean? And Jim and I have learned by that, right? We made right. a mistake and we learned by it. And I got a couple directions I can go with this. I can name names or I can not name names or whatever the case may be, you know? So I, I guess I'll step out there and name names and, and go from there because I'm, I guess, big enough to admit it, right? So Is there a we, tear in your eye? <laughs> <laughs> no, no tear in my eye. <laughs> It hurts. It doesn't. It doesn't make me cry. That's for sure. So, anyway, no, we had uh, prior to Brannon buying out Ready Mixed, right? We did all the hauling for for Ready Mixed as well, and uh, they were using at the time. Uh, I think it was uh, UST. Oh yeah, for oh, all their for powder, the powder deliveries, right? Right. And we had them come to Jim and I, and we were pretty tight with Bob Hahn at the time, and. Uh, Bob came to us. We, I mean, we had a specific meeting, and he's like, hey, I, you guys just have crushed delivering the rock and sand here. You guys kill it. We have no problems. Can you take over our powder? And we're like, uh, uh, uh I don't know. Let us think about it, you know, because at the time, right, we didn't have the West Yard. We didn't know where we were going to park 20 more trucks. We didn't have the drivers. We just, we got scared, you know, and, and we never even got to the table where, we gave them prices. We kind of rolled over like, no, I don't know how to do this, you know, and and we let it go by the wayside, you know, and then now we look at DG Coleman in there with 20 trucks delivering all their powder, and it's like, uh, we missed an opportunity, yeah. you know, and, you know, that's, it, it's survival, right? We survived something, and we learned from it, and that won't happen again, right? So when we say we'll never say no, you know, of course, there's things we're going to say no to, right? right? I mean, but... Yeah. In a situation like that, we've proven, and, and luckily we've been so fortunate, the team we have together right now, if we went to our steering committee on Monday afternoon and said, hey, Jim and I just were approached by a customer, we need 25 more trucks, 25 more drivers, and we're going to do this. Our team would back us 110% and be like, all right, what do we, when do we need it done by? <clears throat> How do we get this done? You know, and, and back then when this happened, I don't think quite think we were there. You right. know, and there was some, some I'm not going to say internal struggles. There was just struggle, right? We weren't who we are today. Right. And I, I think who we are today is based on those changes, right? Those challenges that we that we missed right. and that we hit and that we, you know, improved upon. So Yeah, I might argue with you, Dave. I think everything happens for a reason and timing <laughs> is everything as well. I mean, I know it may sting a little bit, but if you weren't set up, you know, maybe you would have tried something big like that. Remember, we talked about musket vault, musket balls versus <laughs> cannonballs, right? We're yeah, going right. to try a musket ball first, right? Yeah. So I look at our bulker division and the compliments that we get from our customers and that division. If we could get more trucks right now, we would be getting more drivers and right. the bulker division would be growing. So right. I think you may have done it the right way. I don't know. Yeah. Huh. I mean, those are... It was still a challenge, right. you know what I mean, at the time. And, and Freddie, that's just such a great question. I, I love that you pick that apart. You know, I mean, that you're not only listening, you're listening. He's thinking. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely thinking about it, you know. Yeah. Like I say, when that question came up, I, I can't lie to you, Freddie. On the drive home last night, Brother Jim's <laughs> on vacation in Arizona, and I'm like, I don't know that I want to even answer that question, you know. Uh, and and uh, so I talked to Jim about it just a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's what's so great is we are transparent. Yeah. You know, yeah, for there's, sure. There's not a lot of secrets around here. Yep. Except what Super Dave does in his off time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, timing is everything, too, kind of 
blow over that last comment. <laughs> you know, we we were offered the Wilbur Ellis Hall a couple of years earlier than we actually took it. True. Because we knew that we couldn't serve the customer up to our standards. And then uh, they came back, was it two years later, I think? It, and we were ready for it at that time and said yeah. yes. And, and we've killed that contract now for five, six, seven years, something like yeah, that. Yeah, and just renewed another three years, thank goodness. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. you know, good old Mick. Gotta love Mick. He always used to say, ready, aim, fire. Right. Don't yeah. fire before you aim. Yeah. I wish that guy hadn't given up on us, Dave. A lot of people don't know that. Mick Walker was our, we call him our life coach, but he came in here and he changed us. He, he turned did. us around and taught us. I learned so much from Mick. Yeah. I mean, as I far as life goes. I about spending all those hours with him. It, uh, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. It is, Dave. You know, and I've reached out to him several times because he he feels still to this day he failed us. Huh. and. He did nothing but make us better. He he made us who we are today. And, you know, I've put that explicitly in emails and stuff. And he's just like, oh, I'm sorry I failed you guys. You know, and he I can't get him, <laughs> wow. I can't get him past that thought that he failed us. And uh. in actuality, I mean, he made us great. But it was, I can't lie to you, that was a rough year, man. That was, uh, <laughs> or however long it was. Years, you, yeah. yeah, you know that, Dave. Yeah, it was, it was of, rough. But. A lot of arm wrestling, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> was that when we had those meetings with the book and all that? Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Yeah, exactly, Chris. You bet. Yeah, I remember that. And it, it I mean, it was Culture good stuff. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and look, we're living it. Yep. Right. We're immersed in it. I mean, everything nice. that he gave us, if we didn't have that, we may not be here. I never heard of culture until I came here, so. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you guys found a way to implement it. It's definitely been, I mean, at the time, he was real focused on office life, office work, office, everything right. seemed at the time to be focused on what we would do in an office. Right. And I was thinking at the time, well, our offices are 100 miles apart at the time. Right. You know, whatever it is. Great point. And there's, but you guys have found a way to bring it into a, you know, I don't know how you would say it, but just, you know, the, the front range is your office, and you found a way to touch us yeah. wherever yeah. we're at. The cool thing that I like about it, Chris, is he gave us that forethought to always be thinking about that, right? Even though he's not here with us, you know, we started off the, the show with talking about, you know, several of the wives, the mm -hmm. thank you cards or the birthday cards or the, you know, one-year anniversary cards or whatnot that the, the wives or the family or the kids are getting. And... Uh, you know, I think that's just another way. I mean, Mick didn't think of that. You know, our steering committee did. And I just, I'm so thankful for that, you know, that we, we have that ability to continue to reach out to, to make things better. And, you know, over the years, Chris, I mean, since you've been here for so long, <laughs> you know, one of the things I'll, I'll bring up Showtime. Oh, yeah. He's the first guy to go, I like it how it was. Sure. I like it how, I like it when we had 20 trucks. And I, you know, I love, I love showtime i mean he, rick just he kills me right we sit down we've had some great conversations and battled it out too you know i mean but always walked away with respect for each other right and uh i just always ask him isn't it better now than it was when you first started yeah we may have triple the amount of trucks or five times whatever it is sure but isn't it better for him now than it was then when he first started i mean isn't isn't his year today better than year one when he first started. I, I think it is. You know, I would probably in the, in the details it is, but a lot of Rick is, he likes the old school 
trucker sort of mentality the the let's go get beers out to work let's you know let's I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to explain. You know, he's just more hardcore than most yeah. guys. You know. Yeah. I mean, and he lives it. He's not he's not lying. That's who he is. He lives it. Yeah. He's you know me and him. We've got into it a little bit on job sites, and we've also been to Band Mirror watching the drag races and had beer afterwards. You know. Yeah. You know, he, he can be hit and miss, and he can be matter of fact, and and a lot of times, you know, he's going to come off the wrong way, but in the end, he's definitely going to be there to help you out. Right. Yep. You know. Yeah, for and sure. Whether or not you like the way he helps you, <laughs> that could be a different story. <laughs> you know, he, he helped. Like, I mean, I'll just say one time we was on a job site and I backed up and I was going to end up dumping in the wrong spot. And uh, he got on the CB and said, Why the fuck are you going to dump there? You know, <laughs> that's not where we're, that's not where we're dumping. You're supposed to go around on the side. And then Scott was there and, and Scott was like, Well, yesterday the loader told, asked us to dump over here instead because we had dumped where I was about to dump. Yeah. And I was like, oh, thanks, Scott. That's a good way to put it without being a fucking dick. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, you know, we we didn't talk maybe for that day. But then the next day something came up and we were just going, you know, back and forth again. But, but you got to be able to go, you know, I, I want to say I'm old school. I started in 99. And I'm not really old school. I'm sort of in between. You know, my thing about trucks isn't how they look. It's how how user-friendly they are. Right. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love seeing a nice 379 dropped going down the road, but I wouldn't be the one driving it because when you go into a parking lot, what are you going to do? You're going to scrape the you're going to scrape the chrome off. You're going to do that. It's not user-friendly when it comes to job sites. Yeah. So, but Rick would love to have that truck going <laughs> into a job site. Yeah. Uh, that's, you know. Yeah, I get it. Soup, you want to hit us with the high road hauling? I can do that, Jim. I can do that. So, um, you know, I always say high road hauling is about motivation. It's about um, life. It's not necessarily about trucking. And uh, so I think um, the war in Ukraine is a lot uh, on people, excuse me, on a lot of people's minds. And it's in the news, obviously. And everybody's watching to see what Russia's going to do next and, and this and that. So um, I kind of picked this story out because it really touches base with that and uh, will make everybody think about uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow is never a given. Where will life's journey take you tomorrow, the next day and the day after that? Will you be able to be with the ones you love or provide help for someone in need or achieve a goal that you have worked so hard to reach. Tomorrow is not a given, it is a hope. Tragedy can touch us at a moment's notice, sometimes it does. And tragedy is not only about loss of life, sometimes it can be about what was. We have all suffered loss of some sort or another. A friendship is severed, a beloved becomes suddenly ill, a moment changes everything. And while loss can penetrate our being, does it have to define us or control us or defeat us? No. People are not strangers to tragedy. With the news media and social media, we don't have to personally experience the pain, violence, and sudden loss. We can now experience it immediately. Feel the pain, the sorrow, the destruction, and loss of life. 
even on the other side of the world in real time. With the knowledge that things can change in a moment, we should actively engage in life. Don't allow frustration or anger to dominate your inner peace. Strive to surround yourself with people that put a smile on your face and warm your heart. Choose to motivate and inspire yourself. Accept the challenges and work hard to make yourself better every day. And when tough moments come, as they undoubtedly do, meet each head on and let them go as soon as possible. Life is too sacred to wrap yourself in darkness. Living life fully should not be an option. With the knowledge that life cannot be taken for granted, live every tomorrow to the fullest like it is a miracle because it is. We still have to navigate life on a day-to-day basis, but we have to go to work, to school, and do our duties in life. But we can go down these amazing roads and new journeys with excitement and purpose, knowing that we can't count on tomorrow as a given right. Let's all look at our own personal highlight reel of our lives and realize how special and unique they are. These events and experiences pave the road to tomorrow when we are given the chance to live it. And the quote for today, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. And that's by Martin Luther King. Nice. That's awesome, Dave. Nice. Final thoughts, everybody? Yeah, I, <clears throat> I'm never as prepared for final thoughts as, you know, some of you guys write stuff down. Jim's usually really good about researching something. And I kind of usually pick something out of what we discuss. And, you know, you mentioned the war in Ukraine and Russia and stuff, Dave. And I just... I pray for those people, you know, both countries, that the death ends. I, I think yeah. the realization, I mean, when you look at how war-torn Ukraine is, and it looks just like downtown Denver, and these buildings are just destroyed and eliminated, and I think, what what would happen if that happened here? Mm-hmm. You know, where would we go? Where would, what would we do if, if you know, Canada's like, we're taking Colorado. <laughs> you know, I can I mean, tell you what we, we would do. Well, yeah, I, I, I'm just, I'm just right. saying the realization of it. You know, know what I mean? Put yeah. yourself in that position, right? Absolutely. And uh, it just, God, I mean, it's real time. It is, Dave. It? it is. It's, it, yeah, it's, it's just unbelievable. So I, I, I hope that can come to an end. I think this is the first time uh, a war, you know, in in our lifetime, how it's being fought. Everyone can impact Russia in some way. I, I hope everyone is. You know, I personally, I don't know how to do it when I say that. But I mean, every country, anybody that buys stuff from them, you know, I, I know it sounds stupid, but like McDonald's has p- closed 600 stores in Russia. Wow. KFC, Taco Bell. I mean, everyone is pulling out of Russia. And what's funny about the McDonald's thing is they recently opened up there. Yeah. And they, as soon as they, you know, it took them forever to get there and they're gone. I have quite an article about the very first McDonald's that opened, Chris. It is, it is a massive restaurant. I mean, yeah. it is, it seats like six hundred people. Wow! Inside there, I mean, wow. the the amount of meals they served day one because the line was around the block. They served some ridiculous amount, like twenty one thousand meals day one, wow. and it was just unbelievable. So I mean. For, for for them to pull out and, you know, everybody else is kind of following suit, 
You know, those sound like little things. Starbucks pulls out. Oh, gosh. Like the Russians can't get a, get a survive with no Starbucks. Well, those little things, when they start impacting people, right. right, that adds up. So I'm I'm hopeful this will come to an end soon, and I, I wish the best for for everybody's life over there. That's my final thoughts. I'll piggyback on that because, you know, when the, war, when the war first started, it was like, wow, Ukraine's kicking Russia's ass, and how cool is that? And, you know, show them and... I mean, at the end of the day, they got mass grave sites now. They got, like you said, buildings destroyed. It's just all pointless. You know, I hate to say, like, can't we all get along? But right. it's a pointless war. Right. As is every war. Don't, you know, it's just so stupid. Yeah, I'm so sorry for interrupting you. Oh, Don't you we live in a world we have to be able to come to an agreement at some yeah. point? I mean, I just, it, yeah, it just I mean, blows my mind. Because the end game for a big country like Russia is nukes. You yeah, know what I mean, like, okay, how much are they going to lose before Putin loses his mind? Right. You know, and it's right. like, all right, well, here's what we're going to do, and then I'll kill myself. Or, yeah. You know, my final thoughts today are with uh, Dan Pulciani and his wife, Sue. Dan was hospitalized a couple days ago. Uh, he is doing better. I'm hoping he gets out of the hospital soon, but just prayers for Dan and, and his family, and we hope to see him back to work here soon. Not because we want you to work, Dan, but just because that means you're healthy. Yeah, good call, Jam. Totally forgot about Dan. We should have should have mentioned him at the beginning of the podcast, but that happened pretty fast. Yeah. I mean, we just got the news yesterday morning it's all, about it. It's so, all brand new, yeah. and we didn't forget him. So yeah, we'll absolutely. Good job. Pulling for you, Dan. All right. I guess my final thoughts would be going back to being here for so long. I think I started here at the right time. When I started, we didn't even have direct deposit. <laughs> and that's old school rick <laughs> yeah exactly um maybe within a couple months we got direct deposit and then we started to get uh our, our pay started changing within a few months of that because when i first started here we used to get a sort of a fuel surcharge that would we'd have to take a percentage out of whatever our tonnage was i forget what it was like so if it was, and it, it's hard to explain, but they took away the fuel surcharge when I started, or shortly after I started, and then which bumped up the driver's pay. And then a couple years later after that, we got another uh, bump in pay. And, and then they started doing the bonus programs on the weekends. And, and so I guess where I'm getting at is every year that I've been here has gotten better. They keep increasing the pay. Now we got all these uh, paid holidays, the PTO time, uh, the average per day that we get paid is amazing. Um, I'd like to thank Brother Jim and, and Dave for uh, keeping me here. There's been times where I'm sure they wanted to let me go. Maybe not big times, but... Well, you almost left once. I did almost leave once, but they talked me into staying. Um, but... I guess the point is for you new guys is uh, stick it out. Give it at least a year. I promise you whatever you may think or not think, it's going to change in a year. And uh, I'm positive it would be for the better. And uh, just keep that 360-degree view around you and watch out for the four-wheelers that aren't watching for you. Awesome. That is awesome. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. I got a thousand things running around in my mind right now. You know, it's funny when somebody starts talking about something, you're like, oh, yeah, I'd like to say something about that or I'd like to say something about that. Um, 
First, I'd like to say, Dan, um, I'm thinking about you and uh, hope you get better fast. Um, I've been thinking about our buddy Vitaly uh, for the last uh, month and a half, as long as they've been in Ukraine, because Vitaly worked here for quite a while and he's here with his wife and his, his child, but his whole family still lives in Ukraine. Mm. And uh, I know he was super worried about him at the beginning of the war, and I haven't heard any news lately. But Vitaly, I'm thinking about you and your family every day. And um, yeah, I mean, I hope that is over soon. And uh, um, you know, my prayers to everybody out there. Yep, Chris, thanks for being on today. You were an awesome guest with a lot of insight. We appreciate that. And uh, everybody, have a great rest of your week. And thanks for listening. Absolutely. Thanks for being here, Chris. Everybody have a good good week. Yep. Go JFW. Team. Go Rockies. <laughs> yeah, Rockies opening.